Thanks for joining us for another episode of SDBC Podcast. This is your host, Paul Park. And today I'm joined by a special guest, Garrett Decker, who happens to be my uh, classmate from a seminary course that we're taking on Old Testament theology. Garrett, can you kind of introduce yourself to our listeners? Thank you, Paul. Yeah, my, my pleasure to be here today. As you said, I'm Garrett, and I, uh, I recently just started a new job. But before that, I was a small groups minister at Coastal Church in Vancouver for five years. And over that time, we saw the small groups grow from around 117 groups to 230 plus groups. And as a team, it was a pleasure to work on that together. So I'm really excited about today's topic being uh, hospitable, God as a hospitable uh, host. And so that's a, a topic that's dear to my heart as well. And recently I started a new job uh, at Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I'm the community manager there as well as the campus pastor. And so Community just really is something dear to my heart. So I'm just glad to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. And yeah. Enjoy, no. Looking forward to enjoying the time together. No, no, I'm actually I'm really absolutely looking forward to it as well. And um, there's actually um, one more person in our group, right? Like there's Garrett, me, and then there's Mia. Yep. Um, and the three of us kind of uh, brainstormed about this idea. We're supposed to be thinking about this Old Testament um um, themes, right? The thread that goes through all of the Old Testament and really the whole Bible. Right. And um, we chose to look at one perspective. I know there's many themes in the Old Testament, but we chose to look at this idea that God is a host. God right. hosts us as the generous host, the hospitable host. Yeah. So especially us who are undeserving uh, right. to be welcomed into his home, yeah. to dine at his royal table, to to be invited into the eternal banquet, yeah. the eschatological yeah. banquet. So yeah. we're going to go through that. And actually, let's start right away with um, the beginning of the Old Testament, Genesis. Good place to start. Yeah. And in Genesis chapter one, we get this idea that, you know, God creates um, the world. But then um, we have a professor, um, one of the lectures that we heard from Dr. Rob Hebert, and he actually says this about the creation account. He says, the narrative curtain rises in Genesis one on an earth that is formless, that is a formless void and on a dark, watery, deep or abyss. Mm -hmm. The scene is one of disorder and emptiness. What happens in the remainder of the story that ends in chapter 2, verse 3, is a remedying of that inhospitable situation in a series of logically ordered stages. So I love how Dr. Heber kind of talks about this idea that, you know, God's act of creating the world was remedying an inhospitable situation when right. the world was an uh, uh, emptiness and disorder and chaos. God brought order and in a very orderly way, he introduced a remedying of an inhospitable situation. So right yeah. away yeah. in the creation account, we see that God is a host who provides great things. And yeah. I just want to read a verse uh, from Genesis chapter one, verse 29. It says, God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. Right. So, so right away when God creates, we get this relationship between God and us as the host mm -hmm. and then us who are invited into his kingdom, yeah. into his house. Absolutely. Um, yeah. so he provides all good things. Absolutely. He provides everything we need. We can see right from the get-go here in Genesis that this is a part of God's plan for humanity. This is this was plan A, and there really was no plan B. His um, hospitality of us as humans and help and inviting us to join at the table with him and what he was doing here on the earth. A lot of the times when we study theology, um, it's ubiquitous to talk about uh, 
relationships or the covenant relationship. And I, I like this angle on it. It's just a little bit of a different perspective, really on the same thing, which is the idea that God is hosting us and he wants us to host others as well. And we can see that right there in the beginning of Genesis. Yeah. 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 And he's a good host, right? Like he, yeah. he's not a bad host. He's not a stingy host. He's <laughs> right. a great host. He yeah. gives everything that we need. He's like, you shall have them for food. He creates everything. And, and he says, this is all here for you. Absolutely. He, there's so much potential in the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah. You think about the four rivers, the gold and the honor. And everything is there for Adam and Eve to actually follow through on what God has commanded them to do. Absolutely. To subdue the land, to multiply and be yeah. fruitful, yeah. all of that. God has provided. He's not just asking them to do it. He's right. like, wait a minute, I've given you, I've provided for you. What you need to do it. Yeah. Exactly. Right away. It starts off by saying in the, in the verse before that in 28, God blessed them. Mm-hmm. He started by blessing them. And part of that blessing is the, an, an ability to do it. You know, he gives us the ability to do everything that he asks us to do. And so he gave them a task to do, and then he he blessed them to be able to do it, to be able to fruitful, be fruitful and multiply. So he wasn't just asking them to do something. He was also empowering them to do it by blessing them there in the beginning. And I really do think that a lot of that had to do with living in community with him as well, right? As he walked and talked with them in the Garden of Eden, even the verse before that, verse 26, it says that he made mankind in his image. And really he exists as, as a three-part being. He lived, he exists. This as community within himself as well. We even see, we're not going to talk about the New Testament too much, but we see in John where uh, in the beginning was the word. So we see Jesus was there in the beginning in Genesis. And we see, like you referenced already, that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. So really together, uh, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God created the earth and he created us in his image to also work together with one another in him. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely phenomenal to see God preparing uh, the earth for us as a host and, and as a good host. Host, and I love that imagery, um, but that's not the only place where we find this idea of God hosting us to a, a banquet. I mean, if you go to Isaiah chapter 25, um, in verses 6 and 8, it says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full mm. of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. Yeah. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. It's this, I, the prophet Isaiah is looking into this this prophecy, this yeah. this. Um, end goal for God, and that is that we would feast with him at this eschatological banquet. Of course, this is continued in Matthew 22, Revelation 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this isn't just an Old Testament thing, but it's also introduced in the Old Testament. And I love that image. God's hosting us. He's good. And I think the problem in Genesis actually was that Adam and Eve decided to not be satisfied by this good host, but looked somewhere else to be satisfied and fulfilled. And that's where Mm. Genesis chapter 3 comes in and the sin and the fall of mankind. And that's where I think um, uh, we see a whole journey of humankind where Mm -hmm. we start to go away from God Mm -hmm. and reject him as our host and Mm -hmm. look for someone else or something else to fulfill us and satisfy us. And that's really never turned out well. Um, A story in Genesis actually talks about uh, Laban. And uh, Laban is this uh, uncle that Jacob has. And when Jacob's in trouble, um, Jacob's dad actually sends him to Laban. Right. And there's this idea that they are looking for a refuge or they're looking for someone else to host them when they perhaps um, should have and could have turned to God as their host to provide protection and safety and all of that. So when he goes there, Laban is actually portrayed as a bad host. He's deceptive, manipulative, right. and we get this idea that he might be, like in literature, we call it a character foil. Right. 
God is the great host. He's the good host. He yeah. provides everything we need. He provides good things. Yeah. And here's Laban who manipulates Jacob. <laughs> he deceives Jacob, right. takes advantages, uh, totally. uh, take advantage of him. Yeah. And here we get this juxtaposition of God, the good host, Laban, not so good host. Right. And yeah. I think the Bible continuously depicts God as the great host, the one that you can yeah. run to. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with really how he wants to honor us, to bless us. He wants it to be a reciprocal relationship, even related to uh, to Jacob. Prior, Going back a little bit further, Abraham, he, he said, he told Abraham, you know, leave your father's household, um, go to a place that I tell you, I'll make you into a great nation, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, I will bless those who help you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God's plan was really always to bless through community, really, it was always outward focused, even with Abraham, it wasn't just supposed to be just for him and his family, or just for the Israelites, but all the nations, uh, all the people of the of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. And you were mentioning Jacob. The reason why I brought that up is because, you know, in the same fashion, before Jacob listened to um, to um, um, Isaac and 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 went to Laban, he had to listen to Isaac and obey him to do that. But before that, Isaac blessed him. And in that blessing, it's very similar. I have it here. Uh, the first blessing for, to Abraham, the blessing of Abraham was out of Genesis 12, uh, one, uh, 1 through 3. But this one in Genesis 28, uh, 1 through 4, it says that Isaac uh, called for, for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do uh, uh, do not marry Canaanite woman. Nothing wrong with marrying Canadian women. There were none at that time. But <laughs> a Canaanite woman, go at once to Padamaram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's house. And then it says, this part is the part that stood out when you're talking about that there, um, being sent by by uh, Isaac. He said, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of people. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. So right there, we do see that even, even many times people will say, oh, in the Old Testament, God was so different. You know, it wasn't really all about others and community. Then it was just about the Israelites. Well, not so. God's plan all along really was to use community. Like I said, no plan B. It was to work through community to bless all peoples. And so we do see that Abraham, because he was, obe- uh, uh, excuse me, Jacob, because he was obedient uh, to his to his father and because he went to Laban in that he he was he was blessed and he was also able to be a blessing. And I'm sure we'll get to talk about that a little bit yeah. more because I've got I've got some other thoughts on that yeah. as well. No, absolutely. I mean, this idea that God is a generous host that yeah. desires to bless us yeah. and through us bless others. Yeah. I think that's a very big theme in the Old Testament that right. really obviously carries on through the New Testament and even to us as followers of Christ today. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, I, I love the, the imagery of God being our host, inviting us to the banquet. Yeah. It's not just in Isaiah. It's not just in Genesis. We see it in Exodus. Yeah. Um, obviously with um, um, God leading a people out of slavery into a land flowing with milk and honey. We see it in Ruth and Boaz. We see it with Esther. We see it so many places in it. And and we have a handout that's actually attached to this podcast episode that will go into further detail. But um, you wanted to talk about um, Elijah. Before we go there, may I say also about Jacob, I found it so interesting that when he did obey um, his dad and and when he obeyed Isaac and, and went to the east, um, it wasn't necessarily like, like you said, 
Laban wasn't the best host, right? But on his way there, that's where he met with God. And it was like the windows of heaven were open. And he said in um, verse, I think it was 20, chapter 28, verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep. So, so he met with God there and God said to him in verse 15 before that, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. And then it said, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And so really God was inviting Jacob into his house there. But notice that his house was where he was told to go. Actually, it was on the way to where he was told to go. So really God's house is on the move, just like with the tabernacle. God never really had a plan. We, we talked about that and we heard about that in our class lecture as well, that it, it wasn't about God really necessarily wanting a stationary temple to be at, but he wanted to be on the move. And so when we're on the move with him, that's where he dwells with us and moves with us in community with us. Absolutely. His right? presence, right? His presence being the the venue really not a physical place that's finite and limited right. but an infinite place because his presence abounds and that is um, re- really a beautiful picture of this this idea that God hosts us right. it's not that you have to go to a church building and that's the only place you can find God yeah. it's not like you have to go to a temple or a tabernacle that that's the only place you can find God right. obviously in the Old Testament there were very significant uh, symbols and rituals and and all these things that were tied right. to the idea of God's presence and how Israel can approach God right. um, and obviously in the New Testament we see Jesus um, tearing of the veil and all of that stuff yeah. But I think the the idea, even from the Old Testament, was that God's presence is what's important. Right, not the place. Yeah, it's the presence and the people that he is with. You know, all the different theophanies of God, whether it's on Mount Sinai or whether it's... Um, different places that you find him connecting the, the burning bush with Moses. We don't even really know. Uh, we talked about this in our class as well in the lecture notes, but um, we don't really even know exactly where those spots were because the place wasn't so important. It was the person of God and his relationship with us. Um, so let, let's go to uh, um, um, Elijah. You, yeah. you wanted to touch on Elijah as well, because there's a picture of God being the host right. with Elijah. Absolutely. I mean, and it's related to what we were just talking about as well. This idea of, you know, your provision, like God's the perfect host. He provides everything we need when we need it. He provides us to be able to do what he asks us to do. And so it's related to Elijah as well. Um, the verses that I was thinking of regarding that are, um, just here in First Kings uh, chapter 17, I'm thinking about the 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 time when Elijah he he uh, what had happened was Ahab and Jezebel were you know Ahab was one of the worst king the worst king up until that time and Elijah ends up um, prophesying that there's going to be a famine there's going to be a drought and uh, when he did that prophecy he wasn't just sort of making up a curse uh, he that was based on even in Genesis uh, 28 when it talks about um, when you when you make other gods when you follow other gods when you don't put God first there will be there will be drought and so so he says that so he but he also lives there so there's a drought coming and he and he also so needs to figure out, well, how am I going to survive through this time of, of drought, right? And so God says, well, I want to, to send you to the brook of Shidron. I want you to go there. And I have sent ravens there. And so the, the provision was already on the way to the place that God told Elijah to go. Yeah. And so the ravens were going to bring the, the meat and, and, and there's the water there, but the meat and bread would be brought by the ravens. So the provision was in obeying God to do the things that he had 
that he had commanded him to do. To me, I think even uh, living in community is is part of God's commandment, right? Mm-hmm. A, a great commitment to the great commandment, the great yeah. commission leads to a great life. And yeah. so when we follow God's commandments, and that's, a, by, a, by the way, a Rick Warren quote, of course, um, who wrote Purpose Driven Life, but um, but that's God's plan and purpose for our life. When we obey those things, we find the provision in it. Lots of times we might feel like, well, I can't really live in community with others right now. I don't have it all together. I don't have the, what I need. I don't have the right house. I don't have the right finances. I don't have it all figured out. And then it's like, well, no, just do the things that God had put on your heart. Go there. The, you know, we're, the problem is we're not all there. We're not all there. Yeah. We need well, to. Well, I love that you're, you're, you're pointing out that God sends us to a place where he will uh, deliver his promises right. where, like, you know, Abraham, go yeah. to a place where you don't even know yet. Yeah. And then obviously Exodus with Moses and the wilderness travels and all that. Right. And then you get also Samuel, um, go there and you'll find a guy. And then that guy obviously eventually becomes David. Right. Right. Yeah. And and speaking of David, though, I want to go to Psalm 23. Let's do it. Um, because that is like probably a perfect image of God as host. The You know, when we say oh, the Old yeah. Testament consistently depicts God as mm. a generous host, you know, in, in Psalm 23, it's probably uh, memorized by many, many people who, who are Christians. Right. Um, but we always do the first part, right? God right. is the shepherd. Yeah. Um, but then we get this other part of that where right. he he, he confesses that, you know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of right. my enemies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you anoint my head with oil. That's an yeah. act of hospitality right. there. When a host um, hosts someone in their house, it was customary for them to anoint the honorable guest right. with oil. And this is what God does for David, not right. what David does for God, which is ironic, right? right. God hosts David, and even in the presence of the, uh, his enemies, mm-hmm. even in, in the valley of the shadow of death. Right. And then he says, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and mm-hmm. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. This is definitely language of hospitality. Again, <laughs> yeah, another reference to the house of the Lord, yes. right? Just like Jacob, he found the house of the Lord yeah. when he was there at Bethel, uh, formerly Luz. Yeah. Then uh, we see here that um, that as well, David, he he dwells in the house of the Lord. There was no temple at that time, but it's it's this idea of God's presence being with us, yeah. and it's that language of hospitality that's used to, used through Psalm 23. Um, I, I just, I find it so interesting that right before those verses that you referenced about uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of death and, and, um, 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 and then later on the preparing a table before yeah. me in the presence of my enemies, you know, right before those verses, it's talking about, he leads me in paths yes. of righteousness for his yes. name's sake. So sometimes when God's leading us, even it's like, he's leading us, he's with us there, he's leading us. But even where he may be leading us, sometimes there are dark valleys that we go through in life in this life, there will be troubles. Right. And sometimes there are, of course, those, um, times when we are in the presence of our enemies, so to speak. And, but God's with us. So we, we don't have to be afraid because we, he, he's with us. He, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. So yeah. he's there with us in those times as well. And so that's actually a very safe to, place to be. You know, one of the safest place to be. I, um, when I, I went to Bible college in Oklahoma and then we moved back here and we were having children. I thought, oh, we need, maybe we need to move back to Oklahoma because it was yeah. such a, you know, Bible buckle yeah. on the Bible belt yeah. kind of place to live. And it's going to be safer for our children. And I, I felt like the Lord was saying, no, the safest place for you to be is where I've called you to be. And even in the presence of, you know, in this, and of course, I don't think of living here as being in the presence of enemies <laughs> yes. by any means, but yeah. you, you see what I'm saying, yeah. of course, right? No, for sure. And then I think w- what I love about that picture of, you know, Psalm 23, David going through such struggles and yet finding God being a great host, even in the midst of those struggles, like right. you say. And then what we see from David is, okay, David's going through these struggles. He experiences God hosting him. And then, you know, in the Psalm 34, we see like taste and see that the Lord is good, right? right. And, and, and inviting nature. And then David actually lives this out. 
right? Because he's been shown good hospitality by the good host, the Lord, he, he now goes and hosts other people and invites them even though they're not deserving. Case right. in point, Second Samuel 9, we see a story about David and Mephibosheth. Right. A very interesting story where uh, Mephibosheth is Jonathan's son, and Jonathan was good friends with David, but then Jonathan's dad, Saul, King Saul, right. wanted to kill David. Yeah. And when David becomes king, it would have been expected that he eliminates his rival dynasty. He's starting a new dynasty. The right. days of Saul are over. Right. So Jonathan's already passed away at this point. So we need to find all of their offspring and, you know, get rid of them, which is brutal to think about. That would have been the expected norm. Right. And yet... Um, David's actions are completely different. Right. He says, hey, does, does anyone exist that's an offspring of my friend Jonathan? Because for his sake, for Jonathan's sake, right. I need to bless this person. Yes. So then he says, you are going to dine with me at my house, at my table, all the days of your life. And then he actually, um, the, the narration of that story in 2 Samuel says that he dined, Mephibosheth dined with David as if he was one of the, his sons. His son, yeah. It's like an adoption. It's right. like he, being an heir, being a part of the prince, uh, a group of princes in David's household. And even though he wasn't deserving, even though in a worldly way, maybe he should have been cast aside, right. imprisoned, or even killed. Mm -hmm. um, David does that for the sake of Jonathan. And that's yeah, such an right? important picture of the gospel. It is, isn't it? F for Jesus' sake, yeah. we are invited to the royal table of the feast that Jesus gives us, the yes. Lord's Supper image, which is Come the on. highlight of this theme. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And Jesus, by his own sacrifice of giving of his own body and blood, he invites us who are undeserving. Right to sit at the table of the royal table of God I mean, and says, you're my son. You're going to be like my son and yeah, daughter yeah. and you're going to be here. You'll never lose the seat. The seat is yours. It's yeah. secure. Yes. And only by my grace to you, not because you deserved it, only because of what Jonathan had done. Um, Mephibosheth was able to sit here. Absolutely. But only because of what Jesus had done, yeah. we're able to sit at this banquet. Isn't it interesting that uh, Mephibosheth, he was lame and uh, he really, he'd brought nothing to the op to offer to the table. Yeah. Uh, he came from Lodi Bar, you know, the definition yeah. of the middle of nowhere, yeah. really the backside of the desert. And, uh, and, and he brought nothing really to the table at that point after King David had well established himself as the ruler of the, of the North and, and Southern kingdom. And, um, but then David, because he's honoring Jonathan and what he, and the, the covenant that he had yeah. with him, he, it, it, regardless of what Mephibosheth D brought to the table, he was invited as a son to the table. And not only that, but he was absolutely blessed all the more through Ziba as well, yeah. who, you know, ends up, he, I think he had 15 sons, it said, yeah. that are all end up serving and, and 20 servants that also end up serving um, Mephibosheth. So he's living really like a king. Again, he's been redeemed in a sense. He also got back the land that had been taken from his father yeah. when King David became king. So Yeah. So, I mean, we want to wrap up here um, this idea. I hope you've enjoyed just hearing us talk about this is just such a brief survey of this idea we it can is. go so much deeper throughout the entire old testament about this idea that god is depicted as the great host who invites us to his banquet yeah um however uh we do want to wrap up here but we're going to do another episode so in the next episode if you've been wondering like hearing this okay th those are cool things that you guys are geeking over <laughs> um but how does this actually relate to how we live today right. why does this matter how does it matter how does it influence us as people who follow christ yeah. i think there's such an important lesson here um, of us knowing God as the good host. Yeah. And just like David, he went out and extended that invitation to others. We see that in Matthew 22. Mm -hmm. We see that in David's response. We see that in the Old and New Testaments. Right. But we really
really want to delve into that in the next test, yeah. uh, next um, episode. Yeah. So if you want, please join us for the next episode where Garrett and I will further unpack how does this actually impact us? How does this um, uh, get worked out and how do we apply this to our lives and yeah. in our society? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, everyone. And we look forward to having you um, for the next episode. Thanks, everyone.